Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. How you doing, buddy? Wow. As you wow. were saying, Zach. No, I'm done. I'm. You're, you're recording. I'm done now. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to do now. Guys, guys, it was the most interesting story. It had, like, explosions, celebrities. Like, Zach was in some... We were reading a Michael Bay script, okay? Um, no, I was I was telling Alex about about uh, the Argos. About the actual movie Argo. And about... Um, God, what was the terrible joke? So I watched the movie today, and I can't remember what the actual joke... That, like between Ben um, Affleck and um, John Goodman's characters were, it was like fucking hell Argo or something like that. Knock knock. knock. Who's there? Argo. Huh. No, Argo. Yeah. You say Argo who in a knock knock joke? Argo who? Okay, so knock knock. Who's there? Argo. Argo who? Argo fuck yourself. Argo, fuck yourself. Welcome to the Master Movie <laughs> Podcast, everybody. Argo, fuck yourself. Yeah, that's what it is. It's an actor. Argo, fuck yourself. Same uh, cast as usual. Uh, <laughs> nothing guy. new. Nothing, nothing changed at all. Nothing uh, important. Some people left. died. Rest in, peace, yeah. Fre- rest in peace, Fred Willard. Um, Fred Willard died. God, guys, do yourself a favor and watch some Christopher Guest movies in honor of that dude. Watch Best in Show. I'm holding this microphone like a wine glass. Ah. I, can you not be loud today? Say what now? Can you not be loud today? Well, the microphone's like an inch from my mouth, so don't know if I'm... We're not talking Star Wars. We better not. <laughs> uh, if you don't want me to freak out, you better not get me started on Star Wars right now. I think I'm going to be saying something that'll make you a little interested and has something to do with Star Wars a little bit. Is it not, about all the castings? I, I no no I actually oh, no, no, no. Alex You're, I said that thing to you and Loki. I kind of really want Chris to watch it now. What? Well, the fact that Chris jammed me with Raspberry. <laughs> Oh, we have it on the Curiosity Wheel. I know we have it on the Curiosity Wheel. There's a chance we roll it to this, to this of week. Of course, just, yeah, absolutely. I just want to point out, there's a chance, and I kind of want it, because it's kind of really hilarious and kind of really great, and not at all inappropriate. It would put a cap on everything altogether if we did Spaceballs. It would be nice. But also, have you seen Spaceballs, the animated series? Cause it's all right, I'm going to start the 30-minute timer. I did no, not know that the Spaceballs that, that's all I got. Shit. I didn't know that. Uh, so, do we have any other uh, any other news to talk about briefly? Um, Argo. Something about uh, some, no. Somebody got casted in Star Wars. Somebody, uh, some... Katie Sackhoff, Tim Morrison. Uh, uh, who else? I don't know. The more Mandalorian news keeps like kind of tweaking out. So it's becoming Dave Filoni's show. How about that? I'm not surprised. It's not John Favreau's anymore. Well, well John Favreau. Unless always if it's like, just one episode with Dave Filoni at the helm, if it's that one episode where everybody in his little corner of Star Wars is in it. 
I mean, the thing about that show is that I think that show is always just going to make remain John Favreau's just like John Favreau's the money behind it. He's the guy who just right kinda... now it's not looking like that. Well, no, well, I, like, I don't think he was ever going to stay. I think he was no. going to establish it, find some of the people and make some of the big decisions of the first season. And then he was going to set the ground rules for people to keep going because he wanted to go work on other projects. That's always been his deal. So I, I, I just, it's, it's happened with a lot of shows that like Fincher did that with Manhunter. Um, uh, Sorkin did that with Newsroom at, cer- at a certain point. Just, uh, uh, they, they leave. They just, they, they set everything up and then they leave. It happened, uh, it happened it's accidentally with Walking Dead, but like Frank Darapont set everything and he clashed with the um, studio and he was like, okay, I'm gone. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean, he also, um, he, he's done this before where he's just like done an executive producer role and then he just walked away and said, okay, I don't care anymore. He did that with Orville. He basically bought and paid for that show and then told Seth MacFarlane to go make it. Part of, part of doing something like that is finding a satisfying and creative team that you know can carry the show after you go, which is like, that's the thing that should have happened with Game of Thrones. Those two guys were sick of it. They wanted to leave and do something else. They should have, in the process of that, given themselves a couple seasons to set up the people who were going to carry it on. But they didn't. They thought it was just them. So if it, they left, the show died, which worked to a detriment. So yeah. like the smart people are the ones who come in and they're like, okay, I'm going to do my thing. And then like, I'm eventually going to go just a man with no name, a mad max. Timothy Oliphant. There we go. There we go. A man Anyways, who is I'm not surprised that John Favreau is leaving this basically to Dave Filoni to kind of do whatever. What no, else has Dave Warrior? This is the Dave Filoni show. That's great. It is. What, what else has Dave Filoni done? He did Star Wars Rebels. He's, Star only, Wars, done, he's only ever done animation. Yeah, he did Clone Wars. Well, some people and do. Rebels. And resistance. some people actually benefit from that, including someone uh, like Brad. He also. Dave Filoni also directed a considerable number of episodes of, of Avatar: Last Airbender. He he did the fourth highest number behind uh, uh, Giancarlo Volpe, Ethan Spaulding, Lauren McCallan. Uh, there are people who benefit from the world of animation when they leave into. Um, features. There are people who can go back and forth, like George Miller can do both. He can blend them together like with the Babe movies. Um, so it's not impossible, but are, Chris, is not is he the guy who made the weakest episode of Mandalorian? Yeah. Is it also one of the first things he's ever directed? Live action? Yes. Okay, so... It's one I'd of also two- like to point out, he directed the first episode, which was awesome. This would be my guess. My guess is that he's great behind the scenes. He's a great idea man. Great at visuals. Probably great with storytelling by now. But he hasn't cut his teeth with actual direction of live action. And that's what Mandalorian is like there for him to do. So he, it is possible for him to produce a good show. 
But if he's the one directing the episodes, it might be a little bit flimsy. But as a showrunner, if he has proved himself to be good, as a creative behind-the-scenes type, he's proved himself to aim for the right sort of thematic storytelling you want from this show, then I think you're going to be okay. You may stumble for a bit, but it's not like we're dealing with someone who just is bad altogether. I don't have a problem with Dave Filoni. I'm just saying, like, the more and more... Like, I'm saying, like, right now, it's just becoming another playground for Dave Filoni to bring all his friend, all his characters in and do stuff, and it's not, probably not even going to be recognizable to the show that they just set up in season one. But if you say that John Favreau established some ground rules, then I trust John Favreau's rules and that David Filoni will adhere to them for as long as he feels out, like it. We actually had the final director list and premiere month for it for season two, by the way. So... Um, Robert so, Rodriguez, um, Dave no, Filoni, no, 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 no. Um, Peyton Reed, um, who else, who else, who else? It's Rick Fuyama. There's got to be a woman in there. Maybe, uh, yeah, Rick from Ayua, uh, Deborah Chow uh, John, probably coming no, back, no, no, no. Um, Chris, Chris, Bryce Dallas Howard. I'm trying to name them off the top of my head. Um, <laughs> I'm out of ideas. Go ahead. So it's Rick Fuyama, John Favreau, Peyton Reed, Robert Rodriguez, Carl Weathers, and Dave Filoni. Carl Weathers! Carl Weathers, that's right, yeah. Carl Weathers. I is... want you! I want you to direct my episode. I mean, Rick Fuyama is great too. Fuyuma, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Um, good list, good list, good people. Yeah, they have a really solid lineup of uh, directors. Uh, it's also going to premiere, Chris, in October. Just in time for my 24th birthday as I, ta- as I turn another year old on this desolate world. Unless, you know, COVID-19 changed anything. And I die. Um, but yeah, uh, Rick Fuyama, John Favreau, Peyton Reed, Robert Rodriguez, Carl Weathers, and Dave Filoni. Sure, it'll look good. It'll look I mean, I'm off. sure that there's going to be a couple di- directors who are going to do a couple episodes each, kind of like they did last season, where everyone takes one or two and goes from there. I'm guessing Carl Weathers, Robert Rodriguez are going to only do a single episode each. Fuyuma, Favreau, Peyton Reed, and Filoni will probably do two. Huh. What? I didn't know Carl Weathers had such an extensive uh, background in TV directing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Carl Weathers yeah. is like super known for that. That's it's like awesome. what he did <laughs> for years. Uh, it is, it is Whoa. Very No, that's acting, sorry. Yeah, it's very interesting how he got into it. Um, and he's also done very funny small bits in like Arrested Development stuff. He's still working consistently. Yeah, no, Carl, Carl Weathers is like awesome, actually. Not gonna lie, like that man is very, very talented. Yeah, not a lot of people know how extensive that the list is and how much he's been in the uh, been in it in the last 20 years. Yeah, that, that guy definitely is a guy. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Definitely a guy. That, wow. That was perfect. I don't, um, I don't know how you came up with that. He is that definitely was... a guy. Yeah. <laughs> that is so... Do we know that for sure now? Uh, no. Gender diversity. But, hey, man, I don't judge. I don't assume people... <laughs> Ah, that was great. Um, uh, <laughs> 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 the Meister Movie Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, God.
not. I'm just glad it's not this time. That was as so. That was just the vaguest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. Just reviewing somebody's work. No, he is certainly uh, a guy. Definitely done things. But is he I'm sure? I've described most films as a film. Yes, yeah. but you do that as an effort to stall because you watch the films right beforehand. Well, true. <laughs> but it's also grown into some great discussion of us uh, and you figuring out what your thoughts are about it. Okay. Uh, you said you had something for me, Alex? Um, it's a, I can talk about it when I talk about Argo. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, okay. Hold on. Stand by. All right, guys. We ready to talk about Argo? That was the shortest news segment I've ever I've ever. Well, not much really happened, happened. To be honest. Uh, hold on. Hold on well, hold I, on. well, we usually extend it with, "Have you guys watched anything interesting lately?" No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no I've not. Uh, a lot of the usual stuff. Um, let's see, have I? Um, I watched Forty Second Street. The 1930s musical that I'd never seen, that I'd always heard about. And um, I was very sort of uh, confused by it for the longest period of time. I didn't know who the, the main character was. I didn't know what the goal and the plot was for the longest time outside of these people are getting together to make a show. A show is going to be made. A Broadway musical will be made and it's going to be shown at the end of the movie. Um, and uh, I, it took about an hour before I started to realize what, that these characters are going to be connecting at some point towards the end. And the last, I'd say, half an hour is really great. It's just, we're putting on a show. It's awesome. It reminded me a lot of like Shakespeare in Love and also a, a specific episode of Indiana Jones TV show. Um, but... I would say what I found really interesting is that I'm like, this is what it's like to be a chorus girl. This is what it's like to like throw yourself into this world. Like it, it, the, the period is small and once you're gone, it's heartbreaking and the world forgets about you very quickly. One of the most famous lines in the movie that would be famous later is when a nobody gets a chance to headline the show. And the director is like, you're going out there and nobody, but you're coming back a star and he's right. Like it's, it's insane how appropriate that is. And then I watched, and then I read, started reading some reviews and someone even back then was like, this is the uncle Tom's cabin for chorus girls. Basically it's like, it, it shows all the horrible things of chorus girl of that chorus girls go through. And then at the very end, they're like, don't you want to be it? Right. Cause the glamor and the addiction of the high is great. Right. It's basically whiplash. It, yeah. Now that I think about it, it's basically whiplash. Holy, holy shit. Okay. <laughs> Wow, all right. Alex just had a Alex. realization, guys. I just had an epiphany right now, but yes. Um, also, uh, it's a BuzzFeed Berkeley number is in there, and it's the actual song 42nd Street, and like, I don't watch those movies a lot. I really haven't spent time with 1930s musicals, and now I am, because they're beautiful, and they're gorgeous, and people oh, are wait. like... Oh, wait, oh my god. This. I just realized I watched a movie. Like, a super interesting movie, actually. Uh, so yeah, go ahead. I just forgot. I watched Shin Godzilla this week. Ah. How did my boy Ono do? Uh, well, it's good. Like, 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 don't get me wrong. Like, like, Shin Godzilla is, like, probably 
one of the best live action Godzilla movies ever made. Good enough for me. But, but also, you got to understand you're watching a kaiju movie that's made in the traditional style. And it comes with all the weirdness that comes with that. For I, I heard a very good point about Shin Godzilla. How the first Godzilla is about the um, indestructible, the indestructible nature of a force like that, and the atomic bomb, for example, like Godzilla destroying the town or the entire city in the first movie. He is unstoppable. Bullets do nothing. Tanks do nothing. Planes do nothing. You can't stop this. It will. It will kill you. And that's what the that's what the bomb was for Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima. And this movie, what I found really interesting, someone pointed out, is that it's basically bureaucracy is the problem here. The red tape. It's people sitting in the room rooms with different opinions trying to make the decisions. That is that's the reason why things like this continue to happen. It's how long it takes for someone to take care of a state or a country when a hurricane is happening. It's all the different responses that we're getting from the virus today. It's it's people sitting in a room trying to make decisions through red tape and like diplomats that cause this stuff to get worse. And when you watch Shin Godzilla and you see the the stages that the monster goes through and that they continue to allow to happen, despite the fact that they can't stop it. Um, It's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's I was like very impressed i mean i'm a fan of like old style kaiju movies to begin with so like the idea of like this movie is like kind of awesome to me because i I love the idea of like how they made it i love that it was like a mixture of the old practical ways they did it with like cgi and how they like adjusted it and all that was just gorgeous and like really super interesting to see and i've been on like a really high kaiju thing for the last like three weeks but um yeah i was very impressed with this movie this movie is crazy in all the ways you want like traditional toho kaiju movies to go that sounds like ano to me <laughs> yeah i mean hideki ano knows his shit <laughs> neat like, anything for you Chris? nope nothing it's finals week. Oh, wow. I think. We're not sure. Nobody's sure. Nobody knows. It's chaos. Chaos. Is it? It's fair. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... um. All right. Our- this is going to be uh, Argo. <laughs> the good wheel chose Argo, and some of us, if I understand this correctly, are questioning whether it should have been on the good wheel. Um... I think it deserves. I think uh, I think it would have been better suited for the curiosity wheel at the end of the day, but I think um, it's not. I don't think it's a bad move. Granted, it was on the good wheel before the curiosity wheel was um, birthed. Yeah, yeah, and there are good movies on the curiosity wheel that I know deserve to be on the good wheel too. It, it's. It's just not a bad movie, which is more important to me. Um, there's a lot of ways you can look at this, and one of the interesting ones that you posed last week was: Do you think do I or do we think this is one of the worst best pictures ever? 
I brought uh, that up because of Gladiator, because I because I had mentioned that I had heard Gladiator was that. To oh, which yeah, you guys I, said no. No, I don't think it's. I don't think Gladiator is one of the worst. It's not one of the. It's not a standout, but it's not one of the worst. This probably shouldn't have won in 2012. But when you look at 2012 um, and the politics that were going around that year, it's insane. Um, Paul Thomas Anderson made The Master. And if you know anything about that, it, you know that it was controversy. It, it's a movie that's basically about Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard without actually outright saying it. It's also a masterpiece. And it, you had to give some people certain recognition, but they were never going to give it screenplay. They were never going to give it picture, and they were never going to give it director. In fact, so much so that they had 10 slots, they deliberately left the ninth slot empty. They didn't even bother with replacing it with anything. They just said, we're not even going to put you there. It, it was a crazy year. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, it was the year of Silver Linings Playbook, um, Amour, Life of Pi, um, uh, I'd have to look East, at that. Beasts of, Beast of the Southern Wild, Zero Dark Thirty, Lay Miz. Oh, this is the year Seth MacFarlane hosted too. Yes, and but the my pick of this year, despite it being a really interesting year, Django Unchained uh, would have been great. Django Unchained was the winner of that year in my book. Yeah, that movie was super good. I, I think you can make an argument for Beats of the Southern Wild being such an interesting film and such a underdog. It would have been the moonlight of that year. Um, but Life of Pi, I think, is the other front runner. Uh, like, mm, I really I've only like seen... Whoa. Pie. Sorry. Go ahead. The movie is really solid. Like, I'm not going to lie. Uh, for what? Life of Pi? Yeah. Um, so you've only seen what about Left of Pie, Chris? Uh, I've only seen Lincoln and Zero Dark Thirty out of this year, and out of those two, I would have picked Lincoln. Um, I I agree. I do think Zero Dark Thirty is the better version of Argo, um, but Argo's the safe bet, and it's also the one that is the most charming out of the safe bets. It's mm -hmm. uh, it. It's basically movies saving lives. We're going to tell you the story about how the love of movies and how you how people getting together and believing in an idea is what saves lives. And that always is something that the Academy has gone for. They're starting to change their ways as they're getting more diverse. But Hollywood's always like loved sucking its own dick when it comes to the best picture. So I'm not surprised that one during a controversial year. Um, I, there's really no other way to put it, honestly. That's Skyfall insane. was in that year, though. Skyfall wasn't that bad, was it? No, but I, if I, uh, I, if I would have chosen between Skyfall and Dark Knight Rises, which one I think should have gotten that tenth spot, it should have been Skyfall. But the best thing about Skyfall, more than anything else, is its look. Like it's a dumb movie, but it looks amazing. It's a beautiful. The action's great. And you like Bond and everything, but if you actually pull the thread of that movie, it makes no sense. But who cares? There's a neon squid on the wall. You're like, awesome. I'm in. It's great. I love Skyfall. Always will. And if it got the best picture nom, then it would basically be like The Dark Knight. And I don't think The Dark Knight Rises deserved to be 
in the best picture slot. Well, I don't think the Dark Knight Rises. I think the Dark Knight did. Yes, of course. But I'm just talking about 2012. Um, the Master is the one slot that deserved to be there. They left it empty, and empty as a statement because there's a lot of sign. Scientologists in Hollywood. Um, uh, I think, Chris, you would really enjoy Life of Pi. I think it's very good. I think uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild is really weird, but those would be the ones I'd have chose. And then Django Unchained is the best movie out of them all. Like, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. It's aggressive. It's controversial. Sure. Well, that's the, that's the reason why I don't think it would have ever won anything is because it was very aggressive and very, very controversial. Yes, but I would say two things. A, it's not better than Inglorious Bastards, and Inglorious Bastards should have won that year. I think Django would have been the um, apology to that. And B, no, they weren't going to pick it. It is extremely controversial, and that's why they went with Argo. It was an extremely controversial year. There was just there was so many decisions that could have brought in, that could have brought problems over time, and even then that they decided to go with Argo. It's fun. It's got great editing. It's got a great script. It's a throwback to 70s, all the president's men stuff. It's filled with actors we love. And it's a hopeful, great story that at the end of the day, you're really happy you watch. It's based off of a, a real story about a guy who used movies to save lives. Let's just pick that. For a lot of movie, for a lot of people when they voted, I guess it was, I liked Argo. All of these other ones are too hard for me to think about. And that's why they voted that way. Um, and also, even then, there were a lot of rich old white voters. Um, and then as for screenplay, this is what I wanted to bring up, Chris. Um, this, oh, how did you, I know where you're going. How did you like this script? Did you think it was pretty good? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good, too. Um, uh, it did win Best Screenplay. Adapted. I, best Adapted Screenplay. This is the movie that everybody pointed out. Where like Chris Terrio is a good writer. It was eight years ago. Sorry, I shouted. I said I wouldn't. Well, here's here's the thing. This guy mucked around the business for a long time. This guy mucked around the business for a long time. In 2005, he had his first movie written and directed on his own. And it was his calling card until 2012. And he was mostly writing a bunch of scripts then. And Argo was on the blacklist. The blacklist is the big deal scripts people, when they see that in the business, those are the ones that have the most like people going for them. They're the um, number one possibilities. But to be honest, over the last few years, those scripts that get made have all been like really bad or just whatever. Um, but... He did win this. Uh, like, he, 2012, he, he sold a lot of scripts, but this was the first one that he got produced right off the bat. It was a big deal. And um, he just jumped right into the DCEU after that and decided, I'm going to hook myself into a franchise and just have a cushy job working in a world that I can create on my own. Um, and I, I do like this script. I do think it's very good. It's not, it doesn't have the style of a Sorkin or a Mammoth, but it does have the um, concrete and earnest and intelligent nature of a 1970s political one, like All the President's Men. Um, and there are some great jokes. There's, like, there's some solid jokes in here. But, and I think considering that a lot of this stuff really didn't happen in real life when it came to the ending, uh, it is very tightly 
written how wh what you follow and whom you follow and where it leads to. Um, I think if you pull it apart, it's not great. It's just circumstance after circumstance, but all of it leads to the guy who didn't believe in the project the most being the one who has to convince somebody it's real. And that's the moment. Like that for me is all that matters. You get to that and you're like, that's great. That's awesome. Like he's the most prominent person in all the hostages. You know why he's upset. He says it's the first thing about his wife. And then the rest of the time he bumps heads with Affleck. And then when it comes to that moment, he defends it. You don't see it coming because you haven't seen him study. You don't see him trying to make the decision for good. You just see him getting convinced over time. That's kind of one of my problems with it too, is like very few character stuff when it comes to the hostages. But then he would go on to make the other movies. I don't I think I have to rewatch Justice League, Batman vs. Superman, and Rise of Skywalker again to understand what they saw in this, or at the very least, what of this is in those movies. It, it seems to me that there's a lot of characters, and there's a lot of bouncing around, and there's a lot of motion of story, but it's all coming to the head of the ending. And that doesn't seem to be the case in the other ones. It's almost like this guy's a great writer when he's just writing a very grounded story. But then when he gets into his geeky weirdo, weirdo stuff about the comics he loves and the movies he gets into, uh, then stuff gets weird. And I don't know what happened. I honestly don't. I, I, I just don't see any of Argo in any of those three other movies. And all those three other movies are terrible. And maybe the reason is Affleck. Affleck is not on co-screenwriter on here and doesn't say that there were a bunch of rewrites that it went through. But it does help that this is based off a book and an article from two different perspectives for him to structure everything to. Uh, and then Affleck had written and produced stuff for a long time by then. So he may have just sharpened the script with Terrio. It was like, you should fix this, you should fix this, you should fix this. And Chris was like, yeah, you're right, totally. And then went off to do his own thing. But like they would work together twice. So Affleck believed in him. Yeah. Uh, but he, like, he's not that, it, this isn't a bad script. I don't care what isn't real and what is. Like, I do think it's weird that they don't mention the Canadians. They actually take efforts to, to make it seem like the U.S. did everything. And then later they were like, okay, they helped a lot. And in fact, there's a lot that's, like, not true about this movie. But, like, I don't care about that when it comes to biopics too often. That's not the reason I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody, for example. Uh, it's about the movie itself. Does it work? How does it move? Is that a good movie? If I just turn this on, is that a good movie? And then you decide whether you find that information, whether you want to carry the story and look at the truth and be like, oh, none of that happened. Oh, well, I still had a good time. That lessens it for you. That's on you to decide, I think, after you've watched the movie. So on its own, I do think the movie is fun and a good time and reminds me of like solid 90s movies. It reminds me of like Ford v. Fiori. Shawshank Redemption, you know, not, those aren't actually Shawshank's uh, more. I think it's better than this, but it's that solid like we're going to give you something good, intelligent and smart. Although I do think what starts as a really wordy movie ends up being about like action towards the end. Um, I, I think at the end of the day, 
when it comes to Affleck and all of this. This is a solid. This is about Affleck making one of the best character actor movies of all time. He puts himself, uh, like, he is the quarterback, but he's also not the most interesting character in the movie. He's not the most interesting performance. He doesn't get all the good lines. He's just reliable and sturdy and stoic. But it's filled to the brim with people he knows, people he's giving chances to, and people that are just perfect for the character. To give something to Victor Garber at that time was interesting. Alias was over. He was doing bits and pieces and stuff, but... He wasn't. He was mostly known as the bad guy up to that point. To give the the guy who was the second father in the OC a chance to be like the leader of these people and play the fake director. To give Rory Corcoran, someone he knew from Dazed and Confused, uh, a chance in this to be the comedy relief. To give the two actors who were already playing a married couple on an AMC show, Holt and Catch Fire, play a married couple in this. And have like Scoot McNeary like blow everyone out of the water, and he starts a career that sadly hasn't really gone the way he wanted to. But like it launched him, and yeah, there are a lot of people in this. Zach and I were talking about it. it's just a, it is a character actors movie. If you love these actors, they all get the perfect moment you want. I love Clee Duvall. I haven't seen her in years, and to see her like in this movie show up and do perfect, I loved it. I, I'm so happy to see these people. I'm so happy to see them get moments, earnest moments, all built by him. And that's usually something that comes out of actors who became directors more than anything else. Um, it's why a lot of people like Jeremy Renner in the town a lot. He really gave him a lot of space and opportunity to make what he felt was a really intense character. And here he's like giving everyone the moments they deserve. I used to think like you watch a lot of like um, you watch like Power Rangers where like Brian Cranston comes in for like five seconds and he's just not doesn't he doesn't have a moment he's good but he doesn't have a moment a reason for you to like be like oh Brian Cranston's here but he does here he walks up to the boss and he's like uh, I, do your fucking job and it's great it's solid it makes the moment in Godzilla that he does great too like he can earn those moments if you give it to him Affleck gives it to everybody here so above, above everything, I feel like the script is really good and the filmmaking is super solid. And all of it is so that everyone involved can just do a great job. Just a great character actor movie. That would be, that would be my takeaway from it. I was actually preparing for an argument this time again. Um... Based on the reception of Argo landing on uh, the wheel landing on Argo last week, it was like, uh, um. Well, there, there's a lot of ways you can look at this. There's A, through the Oscars, B, through the fact that it's not telling the real story that it's portraying, and B, what it is. I want to judge it on what it is. I don't care. The Oscars are done and gone with. I love Django. Always will. I'm going to watch it more than this. Do I think that people like give biopics a hard time for not being earnest and honest? Yes, and sometimes they deserve it if they're being manipulative or just straight out like stupid. But if the movie itself is meant to tell a story well as well as tell a story, there you go. Perfect. 
you just cut all the fat so that the pacing could lead to the 30 minute escape that they have. They have to trust this guy. They have, you have to understand how dangerous this situation is. All of it, like that, all of that is really well done. I wish we spent more time with the hostages and saw more of their point of view and that they had more like human moments, but there's a well, reason one is above the other ones. And it's because he has to have that moment at the end. Well, to me, I thought all the hostages had their moments, except for the fact that they were all shouting over each other. And I really couldn't understand who's taking what side really. Uh, I watched it with captions this time. So yeah, I guess that helped me. That, out. Okay. That, okay. Then that was my mistake. They all look, some of the guys, look but they're the all same. talking at the same time. So who does, who, who do the subtitles prioritize? They don't always talk at the same time. You start to re- you start to realize what that's one of my favorite things about captions is uh, you start to understand what was probably in the script and what is what is in that scene that needs to be said and what is probably the actors in that moment trying to make a real moment. So my guess is that they rehearsed that enough to be like, I know what I'm going to say from my character's point of view. But the moment that guy says this one thing, we all shut up. So everyone's like, should we really go? Should we go? And then one guy's like, we just got the call. We got to do this thing. And you start to see through the captions what was in the script. And like everyone's like rabble-rousing and stuff like that. But the script will tell you where they were supposed to go and what character thinks of what and how those opinions and ideas change over time. Like they, when they start that, that's an office building with a manager, with people who are like some, some people go out and drink and some people just have work friends. And then they're in a house forever and they're like just not thinking about it after a while. And then they get stressed out because they know they have to go. And this guy comes in with this shady plan and it's like they start to change their dynamic a lot. And all of that comes in helpful, helpfully with the captions. Okay. Um, I could, like, as I was watching this, I was like, I could see somebody poking so many holes in this. Like, ser- like, like seriously, like you could just point like so many holes into this, like from the from like the fact that you can say that this didn't like that it falls into the trap that every other biopic does, where it doesn't follow the events perfectly, but then because they don't realize that. <laughs> That um, it's a boring story if they don't, um, or just an incohesive one, or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, um, I think a lot of people would realize that if more things are based on real life, most movies wouldn't be interesting. Most things they would walk away from the movie. Yeah, they don't want real life. Yeah, because a lot of things are a lot of. Like real life events are pretty boring. Like a lot of it's sitting around waiting for random shit. Anyway, well, this this is where you have to ask yourself about this movie, and I it took some time for me to kind of figure out how we got this story versus the actual story, which I don't know a lot about. But from what I understand, there was a Canadian guy who actually came up with this story and came up with the plan, and there was a lot more Canadian planning and work done. Uh, it says in the it says in the trivia who the guy was at the time. Um, whether it was the ambassador or prime minister, I just don't remember. But apparently, and that's the problem. Apparently, there was a lot more work done by the Canadians than by the United States. And what you start to realize is that oh, this guy probably came in at the last second to get them out, and then things got really messed up in the bureaucracy of it. 
and he went ahead with the plan anyway. And the government decided at the last minute they're just going to go ahead and do it. And they got away free. They just lucked out because it worked. But my guess is he's the one who decided, I'm just going to go. You guys are being stupid. This plan can work. I'm going to make it work. These guys are going to make it work. But he was only there for a day and a half in real life. They didn't. They weren't chased down. They got there at 5 in the morning where they didn't have extra guards because they didn't bother. And the real story is they somewhat make it here. Because half of the fun stuff in the last half an hour is watching Brian Cranston and Chris Messnia uh, bounce phone calls between Alan Arkin and John Goodman, like all these other outside people, like just make them the Canadian story. We can do that. But the reason we got the story we did is because it's based in part by the book written by the guy that Ben Affleck plays in real life. And it's, this isn't the main story of the book. It's just one story in the book of many things that he did as a CIA agent. And the whole thing is pretty much geared to, I came in, I got these people out, I made the decision, and I got a reward for it. Nobody even knows about it. And that's his perspective of it, for sure. So my guess is Ben Affleck was like, okay, well, why don't we just do this version? It's really clean. It's really simple. I could be the guy. I could basically do the Inception storyline where I can't see my family, and then I go see him at the end anyway. Um, and then I help all my character actor friends get work. Like, he put a lot of work into this. I'm not saying he didn't. But in terms of the real-life story, he was like, no, this is better. This is chiseled. This is like, I don't want to focus on all the... I don't want to focus on the 444 days that hostages went in there. This one guy came in, convinced these people to trust him, and used a fake story that they all believed in to convince people for them to leave. And that, that's super interesting. And he thought that would make a better movie. That's, that's him just being a good storyteller. But people shouldn't be mad about that, I think. He just understood that would be the more interesting story to tell. But I do think it's pretty odd that they go out of their way to not mention the Canadians. They go out of their way to say, this is the guy who thought of the idea. They go out of their way to just not reference them at all, really, until they had to do it after it premiered. And people were like, you should do that. And so in the postscript at the end, in the epilogue, he, he added the this was a big uh, combination of countries who did this. And yeah, like, it's not really the case. Like, it wasn't just the Canadian embassy that, held, that housed them. They went to a British embassy, but they couldn't stay there. And so they actually had other uh, people working at other embassies help them get to the Canadian one. But they don't mention that. In fact, they say that the UK didn't even take them in the movie. And the reason they do that is because it's just more, it builds more tension. It's better for pacing. So like, yeah, they're not true, but they're actually made for more economic storytelling to create something that's genuinely fun and interesting. So I have no problem with that. It's a story. Who cares? If you want to know the real stuff, go look it up. Uh, hold on a second. There's a bit of trivia that I saw. Um, somebody looking for trivia, looking for trivia. Somebody said that. Somebody reported that. Um, the actual like real life CIA were involved. In the making of this movie, also Zero Dark Thirty. I for sure, Zero Dark Thirty, and for sure this. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's go with that. 
They got they got a lot. Can't of... I just enjoy one freaking movie? All right. Um. Well, it's if you want. Anyway, to, you so, don't have to oh. let that stuff bother you. Is it a good movie? Did you have a good time? And yeah, I did. Do okay. I think it's like best picture <laughs> of that year? No, there were more interesting movies. Do I think I'm going to watch this again? Probably not for a while. Um, there are other movies that if it were on TV, I would watch them. But I think if this was in the last 30 minutes, yeah, I'd watch it. Because I know that the guy doesn't isn't into the plan, and then he saves him at the end of the day. And that's my favorite moment. Um, okay, okay, okay. So. I really like this movie. Um, I just gotta retract my thoughts because that actually did didn't. Okay, so, um, so when I first watched it, I just liked it because I just thought it was like, this, like I liked it for the same reasons everybody liked Skyfall. I liked its look. I like how the world's constructed, how it's all set, how like its narrative beginning to end. I thought was really fun and just like upbeat and all and all that other jazz and i thought it was a weird look uh a um an interesting look into a time before i was born and a nice <laughs> i did actually get kind of nostalgic for the like the the hollywood scenes i was like oh so that's what it's like it's like no that's not at all what it's like um <laughs> Not at all. Uh, it's uh, it's much more brutal than that. Um, what else? So, and then I'm watching it this time. I'm like, this movie is... Th the editing took me a while to get used to. Mm -hmm. um, it did, for me, just kind of like bounced around a little bit from different points. It was like a moment to moment editing. It was like, okay, this thing happens and then this thing happens and then this thing happens. Okay. They got a plan. Okay. Now this thing happens and this thing happens. It just jumps around. It just keeps going. And up until like the last 30 minutes, which I thought was like this to me, this movie was like rogue one. Okay. But like done right or done like, like extremely well. Whereas all the, okay, I didn't have subtitles. I should have, but without subtitles, it just felt like whatever character work was going on, it was being overshadowed by all the other characters arguing with each other. And I really couldn't tell who, like what anybody really like, who anybody really was based on the argument that they were posing. Like, I like the idea of revealing character through this art, through like arguments like, okay, we need to get out, but this guy is, out of his mind. Um, well, really, like, there's only one guy who's making that argument, whereas everyone else is just sort of, like, posing different angles. I while feel he like just that's like, what it was uh, towards the end. But up, leading up... Leading up to that, that's not what I... That's not what I... That's not, that's not what I was getting. I feel like everybody was just, like... Everybody had, like, a different option. It was, like, we need to get... Like, everybody had a different argument. And they were just, like talking or shouting over each other and it was just like who are you people <laughs> okay <laughs> like slow down i've tried to figure out who you are um so but it didn't hurt my enjoyment of the last 30 minutes so it's just like it because i think 
um, this whole situation, this whole situation that we're currently in now, has warmed me up to movies. Because I feel like before then, that's the kind of thing I would normally complain about. But in at the end, despite all of the politics behind it, which I know is like. This movie's problems and politics and viewpoints just stare me in the face. Much like all the rest of the negativity in the world right now. But I'm just like, okay, I know, I know, but I'm still enjoying it. I'm still enjoying watching this movie. For legitimate reasons. Um, And, like, at the end of the day, for me... The way I looked at it was, it was this guy who was like, um, like, uh, it was said on the, uh, blah, 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 blah. uh, hang on. It was, um, sounded like my neighbor, um, on the Wikipedia article. So, by the way, your neighbor does not like the fact that I hang out in the tree. No, he doesn't. He stares at you while he uh, picks up the trash. Um, for something else, but he doesn't like the tree thing too. So, another interesting bit of trivia was this was the last best film of the year that Roger Ebert would give before he died. Um, I was thinking about that, yes. He thought this was the best of that year, yeah. Um, but that's not the... Uh, that was an offbeat thing. The, the, other, the thing that I was trying to point out. Um, I do actually something to say about that, but go on. So, liter- so it says on Wikipedia, literary critic Stanley Fish says that the film is a standard caper film in which some improbable task has to be pulled off by a combination of ingenuity, training, deception, and luck. He goes on to describe the film structure, quote, one, the presentation of the scheme to reluctant and unimaginative superiors, two, the transformation of a ragtag bunch of ne'er-do-wells and wackos in a coherent, coordinated unit, and three, the carrying out of the task. Although he thinks the film is good at building and sustaining suspense, he concludes, quote, this is, this is one of those movies that depend on your not thinking much about it. For as soon as you reflect on what's happening rather than being swept up in the narrative flow, there doesn't seem much to it aside from the skill with which suspense is maintained despite the fact that you know in advance how it's going to turn out. Um, ellipses. Once the deed is successfully done, there's really nothing much to say and anything that seems... Anything that is said seems contrived. That is the virtue of entertainment like this. It doesn't linger in the memory or, and provoke afterthoughts. Close quote. Um, now that I actually read that out loud, it does sound a little too much, a little too far than I would take it. But I'm along those lines of, at the for me, at the end of the day, this guy saw that these people were in trouble in a situation they didn't ask to be in. And... He came up with this crazy idea to get him out, and by God, it worked. Um, and there's just something wholesome about that that I actually do enjoy, um, especially at a time like this. Um, so yeah, Good, Chris, I'm glad that you're very happy with the wholesomeness of this. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, it's <laughs> unprofessional. Yeah, wow. I mean, the celebrate the celebrating the end certainly has that kind of like we did it. That's the whole thing is to feel good about watching movies, to feel good about making movies, to to get excited about storytelling. It could save your life one day. Um, but I I think the guy is right, but I also think he is very bitter about that. To be honest, 
what we're watching is something that they would make all the time in the 30s and 40s. And the reason we're jaded about it is because I do think this is kind of a detriment as well. It's story is written and it's the story is written and the characterization is thin enough for uh, an episode of television. This is the kind of thing that you would see a guy like if Ben Affleck was just a normal TV actor on CBS, this would be his episode for episode thing. He'd come in, he wouldn't say much. He would help these people get out. Maybe one of them would have a little bit of a butting heads with him. It'd be a great climax at the end. And then next week he does the same thing. He doesn't get to know these people so well because he can't, he has to move on. This is like Mission Impossible, the TV show, except very real and based in a real life event. And the thing that makes it work, I think, is A, the editing, and B, they really genuinely make the threat real. It's not that this race or this country or Iran is terrible. It's that these people are stuck in the middle of something that that they they can't understand. Even their own people are they had nothing to to do with themselves. Exactly. Well, even people, even people of the the neighborhood are just trying to walk through the street and revolutionaries are going around shooting them because they're students that went crazy. They're not like elected officials or the people. It was it was like an extremist group of terrorists, mostly. And I I think the threat being uh, illustrated properly makes you uh, afraid for these people and it puts you in the, the position of what would you do? But everything is written very safely. There aren't a lot of chances being taken. And maybe the guy is also bitter about it because the last two films that Affleck made, they take chances. Gone Baby Gone has a very controversial ending. Um, And the town, they aren't likable people, but you kind of, you, you appreciate their humanity within the story. This is safe, but it's also expertly made. It's very efficient. And there's nothing wrong with efficient entertainment. Uh, this is as good as anything that was made in the 30s or the 40s, where they didn't have sequels. And stars would come in and make a, a movie a month. Uh, they would just pump stuff out. And it would be the, of this quality, just tight. You know who the guy is. He's leading you along. We're getting the people out. The story is efficient. The editing is great. And there's a happy ending. There's nothing wrong with that. This is the kind of stuff they would make in the 90s all the time. And it was great. Uh, I I do think it's a little safe. It doesn't stick with me because I think it is a little, it's not that it's a little too safe. It's that I think it's from the perspective mostly of Ben Affleck, who doesn't want to get to know these people very well, and B, the other people who are making it happen outside. So none of them knew the people very well. They just knew that they were people in a situation that needed help, and it was their job to get them out of it. And that's why you love these people. They don't need to know who these people are. They don't need to know who the hostages are in real life. They need your help, and it's my job to do it. And that's what they're addicted to do. That's what they're addicted to. That's the kind of 70s filmmaking that this movie is. People who are really good at their job, doing it well and intelligently. And that aspect's certainly here, too, for sure. The more movies you watch like that from the 70s, the more you see how that's in here. Um, Affleck even specifically picked... um, uh, the killing of a Chinese booker and all the president's men as major influences for this film. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's safe considering his other work, but it's also really well done. Nothing bad about it. There's no, there's no fat to it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so yeah. <laughs> 
Good wholesome movie, guys. It's Good a it's a at the end of the day, it's a wholesome movie. Um yeah, it's all. Yeah. It's, it's like, for me, I just, I just really, I just really like it, and like a lot of my friend, a lot of a lot of my other friends, they really like, they really liked it at the time too. They're just like, they were just like, they were all about those la- the last thirty minutes. I'm just like, yep, this is ro- this is Rogue One, but done, but done well. Um, uh, I would say at the end of the day, this is Ben Affleck's story. It's a story about a guy who. Acted for a few years. Him and his best friend wrote a movie. He started producing stuff. He started directing. And then he just just sharpened his skill. And I he hasn't made any... I don't think people liked They Live by Night. And I never saw it. Um, and he was too focused on Batman to make another movie. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens when him and Affleck... Or, or him and Damon uh, put out the movie they were going to put out in Christmas. I don't know if they're still going to put it out, but... Uh, I want to see him behind the camera again. I think he's got more confidence again. And this was him. At, this was him at his peak, working as efficiently as possible, trying to please as many people as possible. And I think it works. I don't think it's as memorable and sticks with you as long as say like Shawshank or maybe even Forrest Gump. But it, it's got a, a Captain Phillips quality to it. You know, it's yeah, not that yeah. bad. Um, I'd also like to point out. Alex, that um, Ben Affleck's gonna be fairly busy for the next few years with Kevin Smith again. And why is that? Because he's gonna be in Clerks Three and Twilight of the Mallrats. Well, in Mallrats, he was the villain, and he was in Clerks Two as just a customer. So I'm assuming they're both gonna be cameos. Well, Mallrats Two is he'll probably play a much more significant role. I would guess. I hope. I hope he like owns the mall, and the mall's done. But see, that's the thing. I don't even know what they're gonna do with that movie. There's so many. There's so many ways that they could take it, considering people don't really go to malls anymore. Yeah, that's why I think it would be really funny. Almost. Also, I'm kind of hoping to God that they shoot that movie at Eden Prairie Mall again because it would just be funny to see like how the mall actually. Both in real life changes and how it doesn't, and it's down the street from my house. It's just <laughs> ninety minutes of Kevin Smith and all those guys just like buried in concrete because they never left the basement. Well, did you, Chris? What? Uh, what? Didn't they fill that space with concrete? Now, isn't like that the space where they film all rats? No, they no, shot I- it in like the central area. Okay, I had heard from a few locals that I follow that 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 section of the mall had been like, like filled yeah, they, in by something yeah, they else. Rebuilt it. They they rebuilt a large chunk of it, but like, like it was filled in with concrete or something. I don't know. No, no, Mallrats was shot. In- you think I know anything on my own show? I don't. It was a oh. show in the dark. No, okay. I think you know. I think like. I'm telling you what is because I go to that mall on the daily. That's like the mall I go to. So I like know the history of that mall. <laughs> um, that's the, Chris. That's my local mall. That's the mall I go shopping at like every week. Like I one percenter. All right. Chris, so Chris, Eden Prairie mall. Chris, that's where we saw Joker. I know. That's the same mall. My mom used to work yeah, there. That's right. Yeah. That's the mall that they shot mall rats at. I know. So, you know, 
So, Chris, you know when we walked through that central area on the way back to your car, and we went in that kind of big central pavilion where, like, the elevator was? Okay. That's where they shot it. Oh, all right. They just rebuilt the whole thing. It looks nice now. That used to look ratty and horrible, but... Haven't been. Hey. Anyways. Hey. A is right. Hey, 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 happy days, Ron Howard. Yeah. Uh, what? Fonzie, Fonzie, baby. I know. I didn't think. I couldn't think of his name. Um. So, what's your grade? A. Oh. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, can you uh, hear me up there? I didn't know you were talking about your grade. I thought you were doing a happy day. I thought you loved happy days. No, I was. I thought. No, I said. I said um, a, and you guys were like a. I was like, okay, happy days joke. Um, B. B. Okay. No, I'm saying so, you know, I'm gonna go. Yeah, B. Okay. So that curiosity wheel, right? Yeah, let's talk about the curiosity wheel. Uh, sure. Does anybody have... Well, let's go to the back catalog. I don't want a suggestion, so I hear what's Yeah, I had a great one, and now I can't think... I had a great one earlier this week, and I can't think of it. I still have my back catalog suggestions, so I'm gonna... Ah! I'm gonna keep suggesting them until I'm on... I want to remember, is Donnie Darko on that list yet? Yes. Okay. Is Beetlejuice on that list? No. Okay. Okay, then I have my suggestions. All right. Uh, uh, I go back to uh, Sunrise. I go back to Sunrise. What are you suggesting? Sunrise. Okay. Um, I'm going to suggest it just because... I think Chris is ready. You know what? I think Chris is ready. As curiosity, Alex? Yep. Uh, it's not on the backlog. <laughs> Whoops. I didn't put it on there. Whoops. If I'm you did mention it before, I had no idea. I'm going to suggest it. I think Chris is ready for this kind of movie. I already put uh, down Beetlejuice, man. What? Come on, I'm kidding. Go ahead. Shutter Island. Shutter Island. Shutter. I think it's DiCaprio, Fedora, Mindfuck. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I would say Fedora, but yes, Mindfuck. Yeah, he's wearing a fedora for sure. Plus, has Mark Ruffalo. That's not even the list I'm looking at. Okay, that's my suggestion, by the way. I yeah, I wrote it down. Yeah. Shutter Island, Sunrise, and a third. Uh, what was that movie? It was such a long time ago. Um, like two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um. That's a long time. What is a movie I have not seen in such a long time or have never seen before that I would be interested in seeing? Was it animated? I don't think so. I'm not dismissing that. That's the problem. Uh, I don't know at all what it was. Was it Rango? What? Was it Rango? That's the only animated movie I can think of you recently being like, I should watch that again. No, it wasn't Rango. Okay, so was it a comedy? 
Thought we thought we agreed no comedies, though we've done comedies at this point. So I guess we as bad movies. I think as bad movies are comedy. Bad comedies are not easy to make fun of. Ready to Rumble was very good. We have to be like lucky with that. You picked the guy who made Varsity Blues. You got crazy lucky with that. But like most comedies that are just like that's why I don't want to do movie forty three. I don't think it would be a good bad movie to watch and make fun of. Um, but. Uh, oh God! So like, what was it? It was so it good. A, was it an action movie? It probably was. It's always an action movie with Chris. Why wouldn't it be? You got a problem with what, that? What's, um, what's the back catalog? Read the back catalog. All right, back catalog. Uh, it wasn't on the back catalog. I thought about. Okay, curiosity. Okay, so on the backlog: uh, Jupiter Ascending, Lost in Space, two thousand one, The Gold Rush, Groundhog's Day. Close Encounters, Purple Rain, Donnie Darko, True Romance, Battle Royale, The Medallion, Valerian, Hostage, Smoke and Aces, Wolf Children, Godzilla 1954, and just recently added Beetlejuice. What was That's the back catalog? I thought that was the wheel. I thought Godzilla You was just the wheel. said Beetlejuice, and I thought it was your answer, which it wasn't. You went with, what was it? Shutter Island. I thought I put Shutter Island was, in there, and I put I Beetlejuice Godzilla in there. was on the main wheel. No, it wasn't. Yeah, I thought Godzilla had made it on the wheel. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute, did it? No! It did. Uh-huh. Ah! I was going to say, I was like, I'm like 90% sure Godzilla made it on the wheel. Like, I feel like this has happened before. Every time we get to the next episode it was, of it was, Heel, that's my fault. Okay. it doesn't get replaced. Chris. I want to make sure it gets replaced. Hey, you want to manage the wheel? You want to rig the wheel yourself? You go ahead and do it. Do it. No, I don't trust him. I do not trust him. <laughs> I wouldn't trust me either. Yeah, I would oh. <laughs> I appreciate the fact that you take on the responsibility, but I would not trust him. Yeah, I wouldn't trust myself. <laughs> uh, I, what was the movie that you got that was a physical copy that came with Purple Rain? You're like, I have two DVDs I've been playing. Okay. Princess Mononoke. Oh, did I know? Was that it? Yeah, Princess Mononoke should go on there. I'll just throw that on there, because I can't think of what that other suggestion was. As soon as we stop recording, it all goes separate ways tonight. I'm going to remember what it was, and I'm going to be so pissed. I want to overrule putting Mononoke on the Curiosity Wheel. Too bad, it's my show. Wait, 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 wait. Are you saying just because you think it should be on the Good Wheel? Yes. Okay, so here's the point of the Curiosity Wheel. It doesn't matter whether the other people have seen it or if they saw it the day before we spoke about it. I could list any movie then. The Curiosity Wheel is for any person who hasn't seen something for a long time or at all. So you and I have seen Donnie Darko, but he hasn't. So if he's like, I want to put that on the Curiosity Wheel, he can. If he's never seen Mononoke and I've never seen Mononoke, then it's totally for the Curiosity Wheel for sure. All right, all right, all right. We could get good, bad, anything. Boring, doesn't matter. It could. You and I know, you most uh, out of the three of us know what you're getting. I know I'm getting something amazing. And Chris is pretty sure he's getting something good too. But we don't know what we're really, truly getting. You get to, like, you get to lead that episode. Trust me, they're like, and you could do it either way. Like, the best thing about a movie like Mononoke is you could take it to Curiosity because he wants to. And then next week... You can take it to good because you've seen it and you know it's good. That's why I like Gold Rush. That's why I like Sunrise. I can do it on both if I wanted to. Fair enough. Fair enough. 
All right, all right, Alex. You cheat the system. That's why I like it. You, you, you appreciate it, me. All you, right, all right. Apply this wheel. Share. So are you, so you play Mononoke these days. So, so are you, you're playing Mononoke on then. I'm putting Mononoke on. Okay. Here we go. Let's not see any of my schoolwork here. Let's just get that off. All right. I want to see your schoolwork. Don't see my schoolwork. I want to see your pornography. That was very, very specific. I would show you my porn, but Alex took it all. Anyway, um... In the tree with me. It's physical papers, which is pretty odd in 2020. I just figured you'd appreciate that because of your age. Um... Oh, well, you know, like what you like. Nostalgia. All okay. Right. All right. Here Let's we go. Spin. Okay. On an okay. 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 You guys are oh, in for an interesting. Now I gotta make it. I want to give you guys one warning about Mononoke. And this is a good thing. It, it's not a bad thing at all. Uh, but I want to emphasize that while the movie is. Well, while the movie is only a couple hours, I think it's just about two hours, maybe a little under. The movie feels like four. It feels like it goes. It's very. It feels very slow. Let's go with that. I don't mind slow-paced movies if it's beautiful to look at and has interesting characters. It's gorgeous. The writing's strong. The movie's strong. It's many consider it um, Miyazaki's best film. Uh. It's this or Spirited Away, and there's no third place. Well, it's this Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. But I, I honestly hear Wind Rises a lot. Wind Rises is also very, very... I, honest to God, I can't well, see wrong in that... It's two hours and 13 minutes. I just can't see wrong in that man's catalog, period. So, you know, even... All right, even I, gotta make movies, this, I gotta make this curiosity wheel. Gen, even, even movies are generically, like, weaker, I just can't see wrong in, because that man Good. is so talented. All right. On the Curiosity Wheel as it stands right now. Yes. Titan AE. Yes. Uh, wanted. Okay. I'm typing this in as I read them. Heart and Souls. Yes, please. Uh, I think you spelled heart and souls wrong. You know what? I'm going to stop sharing. I know what you mean by that. It doesn't matter. Um... Spaceballs. Uh, yes, it'd be fun. Fun end cap. It would be a fun end cap. Citizen Kane. One of the Nacho Libre. Ew. Very fun movie. Ugh. Hey, I identify with that movie more so than I actually probably should. Um, Chris, there, there are things. No, it's wrong. beyond wrestling. Um, The Dark Crystal. Wonderful movie. Never seen it. Honest to God, you know what I actually... I kind of wanted to hit Dark Crystal just because I want an excuse to finish that Jim Henson series. That would be the reason... That would be, a, like, a perfect reason to do it. It's fun, but they don't—they only talk about shows. Sadly, they don't go into the movies. Yeah, but... Apocalypse Now. Okay. Theatrical, of course. Okay. Which is a beautiful movie. Book Smart. Yeah. I'm intrigued, so don't know anything about it. Everyone yells at me because I haven't seen it. Dread. Uh, one of the originals. Uh, one of the originals. That you moved. Um, Bridge on the River Kwai. I really like that movie. 
here, furiously. And finally, nope, no, nope, not finally. Uh, surf's up. Plus, surf's up too for me. Ah, change my keyboard color. There we go. And now, finally, Godzilla 1990, 1954. Uh, excuse you, it's Gojira. Godzilla 1990, 1954. Darn it, you heard what I said. Well, we're not watching the American one. We're watching the Japanese one, so it's Gojira. <laughs> Yeah, there's two different versions, which is why it's being... A... Is it not the same one or not? Is it the same one or not? No. No, it's, it's actually not the same movie. Like, I'm... No, it's... It's it's basically what they did is they... The, Gaj, I guess if I'm going to go by his rules, Gajira has, ja has uh, Japanese characters, and they have Japanese story that goes through. Godzilla takes all of the footage of the monster and all okay. the important footage about its creation and puts that in there, and then they add... Um, the uh, he, uh, Zach did. You said Godzilla. It's got, we're not doing the American version. It's a weaker version. He, you did I, not you say know, there were two versions. Well, that's you said, because... You said Gojira and Godzilla as if they were the same movie. So I put down Godzilla in 1954. Because Gajira means Godzilla. It's still yeah. the same movie. So it's the same thing! Okay, Chris, calm down. Could you calm down for a second? <laughs> He's peeing. Is okay, it the same movie or not? There are two different movies that are named the same thing, but they're yeah. called different things in different countries. Yeah. yeah. That's it. He's being persnickety about it to make a joke. Gajira. <laughs> it's Godzilla 1954. I, I'm being... <laughs> Yes, but, it's got to You weren't wrong, but you weren't right either. Something tells me we're going to have this conversation again. So yes. we're just going to make this very I'm not clear. having this conversation again. You better get it out of your system right now. You no, better tell me very, exactly very which simple, movie Chris. is going on this field. We are, watching Gaj we are watching Godzilla, the Japanese film with subtitles. That's it. In American, it's called, it's called Godzilla. So Japan, if you want if you want to call it what it is if you want to call it what it is in Japan it's called Gajira. So I'm you, American. Like, so um, wow. okay, maybe we should watch the American version. Holy shit! <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. watch the Japanese the, one. The you Japanese one is better. You guys want to watch? The Japanese one is better. <laughs> anyway, you know what's going on? Am I putting this movie on there or not? It yes. was. It made it. It made it last time. So yes, it's already on there. Yeah, it's already <laughs> But like it's it, I feel like there are two movies on one slot. You got to pick one. Oh, oh, we we'll get we'll decide when we get there. We know which one yeah. we're talking about. You're just confused right now. I am confused and I want clarity right now. I'm I'm okay. It's very simple. Okay. It's very Chris? simple. We're Chris? watching the Japanese version. Yes. It's only okay. Japanese. We're watching the Japanese, Japanese version of Godzilla 1954. Yes. Yes. It's yes. a Japanese. Okay, film. that's the one. Yes. Yes. Thank you. That's so all I needed. The best version that's called Godzilla, and it has Raymond Burr in it. Was that so hard? We explained it. You just weren't listening. I was listening. You know, I, that's the second time I've said that. I already explained it earlier. <laughs> Chris, we love this you. Is all, this is no, all you don't. All this right. Is all we were going to get to when we land on that when we hit yeah. the wheel anyway. That's so, all stuff okay. we were going to make a video out of now. Very, 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 very simple for you. The American version of the movie we're talking about is called Godzilla, comma, King of the Monsters, exclamation point. 
that came the movie out last we're year. Watching is called Godzilla. Period. <laughs> the movie that came out last year stole the name of the American version of the original Godzilla. The original yes. Godzilla is called Godzilla. The American one is Godzilla, King of Monsters. <laughs> well, King of the Monsters, but yes. Sure. <laughs> like, we're only watching Godzilla. Yes. <laughs> we're watching Godzilla. <laughs> Why are you calling it Gojira? Why are you confusing me? You said there was an American version called Godzilla, and now you're saying there's a Japanese version called Godzilla, but you're calling it Gojira, but you're yeah. acknowledging that Gojira is the same one as the American version. <laughs> Do you understand where I'm coming from? Okay, so let me let me try it once and for all. Okay, so... There was a Japanese movie called Godzilla. In the translation of American, or or into English, it's called Godzilla. So, in America, this one movie is called Godzilla. In Japan, it's called Godzilla. They have two different languages for two different countries. You got that? Got it. Great. So, America didn't want to read subtitles. So, they took their movie, they edited out all of the Japanese characters... And they put in a guy named Raymond Burr. They kept all of the monster footage in. And then they made their own movie. And they called it Godzilla King of the Monsters. And it's basically the same movie. But it's just racistly filled with Americans. Because they didn't want to read it. We are watching Godzilla. In other words, Godzilla in Japan. It's just a different word for another word that's in another country that for the same thing. If you have a hat and you go somewhere, they have a name for it. There's another name for this movie in America. It's the same so, movie, though. What you say is, <laughs> you okay, Chris? <laughs> so what you're saying is, it's the same movie but with white people. Yes. Yeah. So I'm right. <laughs> you're right about that, but it's a different movie with a different title. We're watching Godzilla. Yeah, we're watching. Godzilla. God, that is so confusing. We are watching the movie with Japanese people in it. That's what we're watching. Did we just, like, break your OCD for a bit? <laughs> well, that's what happened. I feel like we just, like, cracked I'm into sorry, the OCD. I'm sorry, footage. Early American <laughs> cinema was super it's fucking great. White people in. White American males, presumably, and said it's this. It said it's a different movie. Because I'm what? sorry that 1950s American cinema was super fucking racist. And they thought that people wouldn't want to read subtitles on what was arguably a really good movie. Oh, but people it's the same so. movie, but with white people. Yeah, and same all movie those with white Because they didn't think that people would be understand. So we're watching the Japanese version yeah. of the same movie. Yep. But there are two different versions of this exact movie. Yes. I hate this planet. I hate it so much. <laughs> I well, hate it so much. Well, Chris, you gotta understand, this was 70 years ago. <laughs> nothing has changed. Absolutely nothing. This was 66 years ago, my dude. Nothing <laughs> has changed. I mean, he's not hes not wrong. They remake movies all the time. The Departed is just a remake of a, of a Korean film, I believe. Oh uh, they, they remake funny people like four times, and it's the exact same movies shot for shot. The difference is one has subtitles, one doesn't, and one has the same actors, and one doesn't. <laughs> um, so, anyway, uh, let's spin the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it lands on Godzilla now so we can have this conversation. What if it lands on Godzilla? 
It'd be and fitting. then next week I watched I watched the American version out of spite. <laughs> I, don't I don't think I'm watching a different movie. Then Chris, you and I are gonna have a very different conversation. Let's go with that. I would be very interested for you to hear how our movie is better. I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying it's the same. No, I'm saying it's better. It is better. It's a better story. It's like it's ham-fisted. Imagine watching your favorite. So it is different. Yes. Yes. We told you that. That's what we've been saying. You just said it was the same one. No, they used the same one. They make two movies out of the same fucking 300 meters of film. Chris, do you remember when they made Transformers? Do you remember when they made the Transformers movie where they shot a huge segment segments in China and then when they showed the movie in China, they just aired those sections so that they could get a larger audience in China? I didn't I do not remember you mentioning that, but you probably did. That is something that occurred with the whole Mark Wahlberg uh, ending in um, China. They added Chinese characters and they put those into a different version of the movie and aired that in China. For America, we've got nothing but American characters. They're Holy two- crap! They are two different versions of the same movie. There are five different versions of Blade Runner, for example. There are different versions of one movie all the time. This is two different versions. One is racist and made in America, but it's the same basic movie. Like he, It's just a guy who's in Japan when a giant monster destroys japan it's all the same footage of the monster that made the monster famous it still is made the same way it's just instead of having a japanese guy with his japanese friends and family and co-workers it's an american who's connected to all this so we watch an american go through all this so they had to shoot those scenes and add it to the movie and it's very jarring you notice the difference one's different footage one is like clearly different sound stages and while the other is like it's japan it's oh. clearly the better movie. You watched oh. the movie as it's intended to be. So that's that's all it is. Like they just America it, at that time they weren't showing foreign films a lot. They didn't even have a foreign best picture yet. It would take another Japanese director to do that. It would take Rashomon to do that. They they when foreign films made it to the US when they was talking and like by the 40s and 50s, they just remade that stuff. Or if they aired it, they put human like they put american characters in there and like spliced them in like they didn't give they didn't give a fuck man but like, it was real racist back then and that's all that we're saying like it's the same movie but it's a different character going through it so they shot new scenes but it's a different movie it's just insane it's a different version of the same movie i would be broken i think i am broken like that would just like that's just so inefficient that's the complete I, like, that's exactly what we're telling you, Chris. That's why we're saying it's worse. Yeah, it is a waste of money. I now, agree. it is somewhat understandable because we just were removed from World War II. And there's still that stigma. But it's but still movie, just the insane. The whole movie is about the dangers of nuclear energy and nuclear bombs. Like, yeah, the whole movie is an allegory. The Japanese movie is a whole allegory for World it's War still, II. It's still insane. You get that, it's but if you're insane. like an average Joe, you're not going to see that. You're just going to be like, oh, it's a Japanese movie. People are talking about it. I'm not going to go see that. But then you How see it. And you're like, oh, my God, is that a dinosaur wrecking Japan? I'm for it. But then you feel bad because you're like, wow, like that's an unstoppable force of nature. Okay. 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 Chris, you okay? How did we not have this conversation before? Because we know we... He, he never pulled the joke 
on you of having two different titles. But really, that's how we got here. We were going to get here eventually. God, finally. That was painful. All right. Yeah. Answers. Imagine now, I did make that joke and we had to find this out when we actually spun it and got it. Exactly. We have not spun yet. I know. No, that's just a precursor to something that may not happen for a month. Good God if it lands on Godzilla. <laughs> now it's going to do it just to get you, Chris. <laughs> no, this is not a spiteful wheel. The bad wheel is spiteful. I just don't. I'm trying to say not say the ones that I favor in hopes that that's better odds. Because when I, I say just it, want everything, honestly, I just I don't care. <laughs> I want either Titan E or Spaceballs. No, it's not going to get either. <laughs> go, go ahead. Spin it. I shouldn't have said that word. Like, ugh, okay. All right, Chris, go. Hey, I got pretty got fingered, and I always wanted that. So immediately, three, two, one. Spin. Oh, oh boy! Oh, oh boy! This is gonna be. Darkness? This is gonna be. Uh, Zach, please let me have this one now. No, you no, already hit you. Okay. The next movie we're gonna review on the Nice Movie Podcast. Oh Jesus! It's Apocalypse Now. Oh boy. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Uh, when I heard your reaction, I was like, it's one of two things. Bridge on the River Kwai or Apocalypse Now. Honestly, I kind of want to rewatch Heart of Darkness now. Do it. I may watch it because I've never seen it and it totally applies to this movie. Heart of Darkness is so good. Okay, so so uh, Chris, do you know any, what do you know about All I know is that I love the smell of napalm in the morning. That's it. That's, That's all so I know. Okay, so... And the guy coming out of the river of blood. That's all I know. Or whatever. So, uh, no, it's, it's mud. Not it's not blood. Um, so, here, there is so much history and backstory to this movie. There is a whole other documentary made about it from the wife of the director. It's insane. It's crazy. Highly suggest you watch this movie once this week. And then if you choose to watch it before the show, go ahead. But I think you should watch it during the week. Uh, this is a story about how one guy who has been in Vietnam so long that he's just basically stewing and waiting for a mission is given a mission to go up the river in Vietnam to find a colonel that has gone insane and taken over a tribe and basically take just kill him. And the movie is about him going up the river to uh, Vietnam to get him and as he's going he just sees like the craziness of Vietnam the like how what war is doing to people it's literally driving everybody insane and then he gets to to Marlon Brando the colonel and he is insane he is as insane as insane can be uh that's the story it's gorgeous chris it's beautiful chris, this is chris. one of the most beautiful movies ever shot on film Period. Chris, uh, I just want to let you know, Chris, and this is this movie is proof of the old filmmaker saying of anything that could go wrong can and will go wrong because with Apocalypse Now, Chris, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong, and he still made this movie, and it's still one of the best movies ever made, ever. Period. Not a for, for a lot of veterans, this was Vietnam for them. A lot of veterans walked out of this movie and was like, this in Platoon, but mostly 
a lot of them were like, this is Vietnam. When you're there, this is what it feels like. It, it's, there's no sense. There's no up or down. You are not yourself. And when you are, you hate yourself. It's, it's, it's what, very trippy. It's very... Um, what's even crazier about this movie is that like, the visuals hold up, too. Like, considerably. It, it's not hopeful. It's not. Um, uh, that's what I'm afraid of. Uh, it's not necessarily. This may be bad timing. Not going to see like quips and stuff like that. But what I want you to take away from this movie is what I find in myself in situations from time to time, which is when I want to watch a desperate or sad movie when it's a desperate or sad time in my life. This is a movie about a guy who was already on the edge of going crazy, forced to find crazy. And he just keeps going down, going further and further and further. And he has to keep his composure and, and keep his mission. And you feel for the dude. You see what all of this does. You, you feel for what outside forces that you can't control does to a person who has no choice but to adapt. And that's everybody. Ah, right uh, no. That's why? Wait, hang on. Hang on. Okay, so how about this? Are you willing to do something for me? One time offer. I will only do this once, uh, and I won't only ask to do this once. Are you willing to switch this for another choice that I have on the wheel? Is it really that bad? I think it's if you... But it's not like a bad... Not in terms of like a bad movie, but it's just like really bad timing. Uh, that's what I'm saying. If like the timely, if the the holiday special was like silly and slow and boring, but we could make fun of it and you could dissect it. This is a movie about nihilism. This is a movie about what war does to people. There's barely any light in this, and the humanity that is there is broken. But it's beautiful, and I if you want to go through that, it's three hours of it. Where I would also suggest Bridge on the River Kwai. Bridge on the River Kwai, I think, is a, also a very good war movie. I think it's beautiful and gorgeous. It's also three hours long, but I think you're going to love it. And though it may not have an absolutely hopeful ending, it certainly has one that I think you're going to love. I think this movie is a better war movie for what you want right now, whereas the other one is, like, it's extremely just, just jaded. It's extremely nihilistic. And there's barely any hope in it. Uh, normal people go crazy in that movie. Like, there's a guy who just wants to surf and is just a soldier. By the end of the movie, he's, he's insane. Whereas in Bridge in the River Kwai, I think, I think you're going to enjoy that more. Plus, it's Alec Guinness. You get to see early Alec Guinness. You get to see uh, a classic film just like this one, but it's... And it's war, and it's three hours, but I think you'll enjoy it more. I think it's more fun, and I think you and your dad would enjoy it more, too. Would you be willing to make uh, that trade? Okay, not dad. Dad would not enjoy that. He's deep into Deep Space Nine. Haha, <laughs> deep. Um... It's also a very <laughs> good see. summer movie. A lot of it, it, like, to watch it on a nice, hot summer day works. It's a beautiful summer movie. But that, either we spin again, or I suggest that, or we watch Apocalypse Now. But it's not a happy movie. There's no, there's no comic relief or joking around. The comedy comes in the insanity. You watch it, and you go, this is insane. This is insane. But it's also beautiful. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find since we've... We, 
Can you recall us doing a movie of this caliber, like, no. this year? If this not year? at all. Like, this year? Honest, Chris, in the in the last two years... I've been having a bad time since this year started. I think, Chris, if truthfully and and i know i offered this with the with the holiday special but truthfully and i know you're having a shitty year i we're all having a shitty year if you want to do a mulligan functionally on this one okay nobody would blame you on this one i was gonna ask would you guys blame me if i wanted to if i wanted to redo i wouldn't blame you this is a dude this is a fucked up movie i'm like I saw this movie, I the first time I saw Apocalypse Now was in college, and I saw not only Apocalypse Now but I also saw Heart of Darkness. Because um, like I feel like at any other time I could stop, I could do this. At I any think, other time I could do I this. I think if we weren't in a pandemic and things weren't looking like the end of the world, and you know things are shitty and horrible, and a lot of what people are going through in Apocalypse Now is going through with people right now, I think the wheel decided fuck us. You know what I mean? Um, I think because of the nature, I think rolling a mulligan on this wouldn't be a bad idea. Let's go with that. The closest thing we've come to anything like this this year would probably be uh, Eternal, Sunshine, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's even a trippy then, that's kind of like a like a you can. That's like an ending you can interpret anyway. Yeah, I if think you want, and to. I chose the happier option. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, I didn't, but I understand that you can. Uh, there's also an option where it's not exactly the best. No. Well, what I I mean it in the sense that you could have walked away from that movie thinking two things, and I didn't know what they were going to be. Either a, what you thought, which was I really liked it, or b, um, I didn't like it. And I thought it was just jarring for me emotionally. It could have been jarring for you emotionally. You said two weeks before that movie happened, you didn't want to handle um, breakup movies, movie tr- uh, loves that uh, had tragic endings. That's like, that is one of, that is the breakup movie. That is the tragic relationship. Like, that is without any sort of sense or hope of what a romantic comedy is supposed to be in the writing, but you still care about those people and you walked away caring about their experiences and who they were and you saw in a movie that for a lot of people like don't really think back on it as a fun movie but watching it again i was like yeah this is a fun movie i like it yeah and i felt like you at the end i'm like you could think either way and the ambiguity of it is the best thing that makes it i think a a film that'll last a long time so it's all about the mood that you're in do you want to be a cynic this time I watch it, maybe next time I watch it, I'll be more hopeful. It changes and adapts with your life. And the same thing goes with Apocalypse Now, I think. But I would say in terms of how things are like going, it's just think in the moment. Don't think about any other time I'd be cool with it because you don't know. Just right now, right now, I'm telling you, this movie doesn't have a lot of hope. This movie doesn't have a, light, a lot of lighthearted moments. It's pensive, it's trippy, and it's dark. Yep. Uh, are you willing to kind of wallow in that for three hours? You will get gold from it. But do you want to do that right now in your life 
do you deserve a break? Again, we're we're allowing a mulligan on this one because I also am go- we're going to go into Heart of Darkness. We're going to go into the history of this film. We're going to go into the history of Francis Ford Coppola. There's a lot that we're going to talk about this. That's about how it was made, more so than just what it's about. But uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So a mulligan is totally fine by me. But again, Bridge on the River Kwai is pretty great. But if you want to spit again, I have no problem with that, dude. Like, but think about now. How do you feel now? You don't want that now. You want to you want to avoid something that dark now. I'm for it. I don't want to come across as like a coward or anything, you know. Don't you come across as a coward. Don't think about it in manly terms. Think about it as mental health. Everyone's going through this, and the worst thing they could do is, you know, Break think about mind. their pride. <laughs> um, I'm going to call Mulligan. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's uh, what I'm going to do. Recommendation. You end up in though, we're fucking doing it. Uh, Chris, as a, as a brief recommendation, just because... <laughs> here's what I'm going to do. Mulligan. Let's spin the wheel without Apocalypse Now on it, and then right. we Apocalypse Now. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. 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 I just want to make sure. This is that... what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take it off. It'll yeah. still it'll still be on the wheel that I have it in documentation. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sorry. I just like no, no, Chris. No. If it's if it's as if it's as severe as you guys say, I I'm not sure I can handle it right now. And like me... like. I know you say not to think about, like, if it was any other day, but, like, I can't help it. Like, if it was any other time, I'd be like, we'll gut it out, we'll do it. But, like, right now, it's just, like, really the worst possible time. Well, the I... reason I the reason I say that is I don't want you to judge yourself against another version of yourself that you think would make the better decision or the smart decision or the brave decision. Don't do that. Just think, uh, right now, I don't need this in my life. And here's the thing. I'm not saying this because of how you feel. And what you're going through, I'm doing this because of the movie. There are movies that I'm going to do this for people in my life. I'm never going to suggest to my parents they watch uh, Irreversible, a movie that goes backwards and has a 90-minute uncut rape scene in it. Never going to suggest that to them. Probably would never suggest it to you, but I've seen it. I see the merits in it. I'm probably not going to watch that again either. It's a pretty ruthless movie. But this is one of those cases where I'm like, it's a dark-ass movie. And you can watch those. But it's also about the mood you're in. Just like my sister doesn't always want to watch action movies. It's about yeah. the mood she's in. So it's, this movie, Chris, what it is, I don't think it's like appropriate for your mood this week. Chris, There's a lot of other choices that would have happier and funner results. I'm just going to point out, this is probably why until we're out of this pandemic, I'm probably not going to ever suggest Grave of the Fireflies. Because... What the heck did I just do? You think this is nihilistic and shit, dude? Like, try watching two little kids starve to death for an hour and a half, and it's slow, and it's painful, and there's no hope at the end of the movie. Yeah, Grave of the Fireflies is the saddest movie ever made. That's the polar end of the spectrum, yes. This movie is not the saddest movie ever made. It's not, like, the darkest movie ever made. It's just about one trying to hold on to sanity in a world of insanity. And when you already feel like that's what you're doing already, some people swim in that shit. 
Like the guy who does folding ideas, he swims in contagion and he explains it. That's what comforts him living that thing through fiction. And for me, that's what I do. Sometimes I'll watch something extremely dark and I'm like, that's what I needed. I needed to exercise those demons through that story. I needed to know that somebody else felt that way, wrote that and a bunch of other people gathered money together and made it hundreds Maybe even thousands of people got together and made something that I relate to because they related to it. Sometimes that's exactly what I need because at the end of the day, it's all fake. And that's why Heart of Darkness is really amazing because you're watching a filmmaker who's so up his own ass, but also going insane at the same time, trying to create a war that he never went to. It's so interesting for reasons like that, but that's... That's what a movie like this does. It's about insanity and trying to survive it. So, no, I don't think you should go through that right now if you don't really want to. Okay. So let's just spin again. To anybody else listening, I'm sorry. (laughs) They don't want to watch it, too. Okay. Let's spin again. Three, two, one, spin. Oh my god, it's dread. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. movie. Violence, why not? <laughs> Finally. Okay. We Finally. okay, for context, we did spit it once on the good wheel. But I can't remember exactly why we didn't do it. No, it was because Zach, you were you were in the in the in the quagmire of modern warfare. And yes, like then you you popped your head out for a little bit, and we gave you Treasure Planet. Yes, um, I yes, and we put it back on I, the Curiosity. I was definitely in the quagmire that was Modern Warfare, and let me tell you, doing Treasure Planet, man, that helped, man. That dude, Good. fucking the quagmire that is working for and with Infinity Ward on that game. And Chris, you played the game now, so you know. You know what my life, what all my hard work paid off for. Yeah. It it was worth it. <laughs> but uh, two hundred gigabytes of space that I don't have for anything else. Anyway, so <laughs> now it's now we're <laughs> oh man, this movie. This is half, if I'm not mistaken, this is half the length of Apocalypse Now and half the intent. Just as gory though. Just as gory. Times just as beautiful. Yes. And uh, twice as fun. Um, Never seen it? Don't know. It is the epitome, it is the embodiment of the wheel. Yeah. So, Dread. That's what's going on there. What did we spin? We spun uh, Princess Mononoke. That's a lot of no's. No, no. No, no, no. Okay. Um, all right. So there you go, everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry if you were disappointed that we're not doing uh, Apocalypse Now. It's a really, really bad time to do it. So I don't know. I may watch it for fun. For some people, it's a really bad time. <laughs> um, Fair enough. So... Instead, we are going to do Dread. Now, not to be confused with Judge Dread, which is, in fact, a different movie. Um, (laughs) 
with Sly Stallone. Uh, we're doing the Carl Urban one that that he's apparently been wanting a sequel for for years, and not enough interest has come of it. So that is what we are watching. Cool. I've always heard it was good, and I always wanted to watch it, and I always thought it would be okay. But I want it to be the kind of movie that is good and has, like, maybe five elements to it that are amazing, that elevate it, that earned its, like, ability to be watched 50 years from now. And that's, like, a shot to a scene to a performance. So I'm, I'm hoping... I'll find something. I know there's one or two shots that I've seen before that I'm like, that was great. So I'm hoping that I come back to those again this time. This is the epitome of the curiosity wheel. I don't know what I'm getting. Always wanted to know. Same. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, there you go, everyone. Uh, Dread. D-R-E-D-D. So with Dread that... Or Dre Double D. Um, double D. Dre got those double Ds. So, okay. So, that's it, everyone. So, yeah, we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Uh, I'll go fuck yourself. Darn it, you stole my joke. I'll go fuck yourself. What they Take said. Sacred. Sacred. No, what they said.